Hey guys, it's Shelly Giglio here on the Grove Podcast. And I just wanted to tell you today that we're releasing a podcast that we've been holding on to for quite some time. I'm not really sure why we never released it before, but we feel like it might be helpful in the time and season that we're in. So today I'm having a conversation with my husband, Louis Giglio, just about some of the challenges that we have in life, in marriage, in being on the same team, in mission, and um, all the things that go with that. And so I think you'll find it interesting and hopefully also sort of fun. So here today is a podcast from Louis and Shelly Giglio. coming tonight, so that's good news. What's you can have say? a seat. Um, I'm, I'm feeling like I have no filter tonight, so we'll just leave whatever happens in this room in this room, right? Y'all feeling good about that? Okay. Scary. It's ner- ner- it's that's scary. a little nervous right it's there. It's scary for Louie. Um, we're going to have a little chat tonight, and it's going to be really informal, and you're not going to ask questions, but some of you already asked questions, and we have a bowl of some of those questions that we're gonna pick from and then answer. So I think tonight should get interesting, you don't you think? I think so. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Okay, I'm gonna let Louie pick the first question because that just feels fair. This is uh, gonna be exciting, I'm sure. Do I, do, I, do I get to answer it or do you have to answer it? Why don't you answer it? Okay. So this question, this is a great question um, for you and me. It says, babe, how do you support each other and how do you work together? You first. <laughs> Yeah, Shelly and I, it's interesting, and some of you don't know our stories, and I love the fact that some of you came with your neighbor, your friend, uh, your coworker, and you're like, I don't even know who those people are. I don't even know anything that's going on right now. So we're Louie and Shelly, and we've uh, been married 30 years, coming in August, and we, I'm the pastor of the church here, and Shelly runs Six Steps Records, which is a record label that supports a lot of artists who write worship songs for the world. Um, we'll be at the Grammys next Monday night because um, some of Shelley's artists are nominated for Grammys. Amazing. And um, so we, we met and, and married at Baylor University. Is where we, Shelley was an undergrad. I was at grad school at seminary. Uh, I was out in Texas because of grad school. I'm from Atlanta. Shelley's from Houston. We met um, and we ended up doing a campus ministry at Baylor for 10 years after she graduated. And then we moved back to Atlanta. We've been doing passion and other things for about 20 years. And we've been working together for a long, long time. Um, how do we support each other and work together? You know, it's the best and the worst thing I think that you can do is to work with your spouse. And I've talked to a lot of people in the professional world that they don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> I mean, like if you went to like a counselor I'm or right a business advisor... <laughs> Or somebody who's in corporate world, they would say, do not work with your spouse. Shelly and I really have found it to be one of the the best things I could ever dream of happening um, in life. And I I don't know how to answer the question other than to say, we have a beautiful relationship, which I, I would hope for every woman in this room. And I really would dream about this. I know some of you are not married, so you're probably gonna get more out of this possibly because you can decide things about your future and set a course for your future right now. Uh, Some of you are married and you're like, man, I'd like to put in place a lot of what you're talking about, but my husband doesn't really want to do any of that. And so that's a different set of parameters for life. But I think the two things that allow us to work together, I don't know what you would think, is that I really respect Shelley 
enormously in every way that you can imagine. And to the degree that when we were planning Passion City Church uh, six years ago, back in 2008, I think, is when we really sort of gathered about eight people together in a basement of a house and said, we have a, a dream to plant a church out of the Passion Movement. And before that, Shelly and I had to come to peace with that. And I'd been coming to peace with it for about five years. So from 45 to 50, God was redoing some things in my heart and undoing something that had been spoken over my life by some other guy about 20 years ago who didn't even know what he was talking about hardly. But he said something to me in an off-the-cuff moment, and it shaped the way I thought God was going to lead my future. That's another message and maybe another question in the jar, but don't let anybody else speak to you and shape your future except God who created you for the future that he shaped you for. And so for five years, I've been getting like all the layers peeled off and and then one day we were at church. We, we uh, had been uh, members at North Point Community Church since the very first gathering. Andy and I were best friends growing up, are still very, very close friends. And it wasn't about North Point at all. It was about what God was doing in my heart. And one Sunday we left church and I was like, God was just like, do it now. Don't wait two more minutes. Do it now. And so Shelly and I went to walk that day at this elementary school or middle school, maybe, I don't know, is it elementary school or middle school, whatever elementary. that school was. We used to go walk around this trail and we went that Sunday afternoon and I just said, I got to tell her it's now. So I told her while we're walking, it's now, babe. I mean, it's now, you know, we've been talking about it, but it's now. Time is now. And she said, no, it is not now. The time is not now. And I said, no, I'm pretty sure it's now. And she said, well, I'm pretty sure whatever you heard wasn't coming from God because it didn't come past me. And I was like, okay. I did not say that. She really didn't say any of that, probably. But I'm an expert at my case and cause, especially when I think I'm right. And um, so, man, I just, that is true. I that went part. to town, you know, and I was running and she was walking. So we were kind of like passing each other occasionally, you know. And Again, so, is that the point? I mean, I was no, walking, you were so, running? Okay. <laughs> anyway. So I gave this big presentation and I thought that was pretty, pretty fantastic. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be the end of this conversation. And she just looked at me and said, look, you know, I'm telling you right now. And then she told me, and um, so that's it. And um, I was like, okay. So I ran on off, you know, for my lap. And as I was running, I, I just said to the Lord, you know, I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect that. I'm not going to go home and say, well, I don't care what you think. This is what we're going to do today. Because I've learned over my life that Shelly is the smartest person I know. She has the most insight into things that you can't see or touch with your hands. You know, guys are pretty good with, it says this, and it says that, and ladies are more about, oh, I kind of think X, and you're like, how do you think that? I don't know, you know, but I'm pretty sure about it, <laughs> and I've learned over time to go with that, <laughs> and so we had a long conversation, me and God, as I continued to run, and I just said, okay, that's it, I'll just lay it down. That's not a big thing about me, because I really wasn't happy about it. It's really about me respecting Shelly and respecting that we're a we. That's right. And so it's not me. I'm the man of our house. I'm the man in our house. And there's, there is a man in our house. And I could, I believe, say to Shelly today, I, coming out of my prayer closet, I think we're supposed to move to Cleveland. 
And Shelly probably say, well, good luck with that. And I'll get you a coat and some boots and all that because it's winter. But I think eventually we'd move to Cleveland because Shelly's never not followed me when I've led our family carefully under God. But I've never tried to push that lever and say, I don't care what you think. I'm the man of our house. I make the decisions and this is the way it goes. And so I think Shelly has always been incredibly supportive you could use the biblical word submissive if you want to use that word and you need to. I, I think supportive has been the better word of me and of our, the vision God's given our family. Yeah. But I feel and I hope that I've always respected her. And when those two things happen between a man and a woman, the, the possibility is unlimited when those two things are happening between any man and any woman, because God has put us together for partnership, for mission, and for initiative, for world-changing endeavors. That was what his idea was in the beginning for marriage, and that's what his idea is now for marriage. And I think that's kind of how we've stayed in it all this time. That's awesome. That's a long answer, man. We got a lot of questions. You do all the rest of them. Do you want to speak to that one a little bit? Yeah, I would just say, just to add quickly to that, that there was a point in our marriage, early on in our marriage, where um, I was working in business and Louis was doing ministry stuff, and I was doing ministry stuff with him when I could um, on the weekends and whenever that time allowed. We were building a student ministry together. But um, I I came to a crisis in that road of discovering that if I stayed on the road I was on and he stayed on the road that he was on, we would end up over here. Mm -hmm. I would be here and he would be here. And I didn't think that that was wise and that there could be a good bridge between the two. And so at some point in my life, it became obvious that if God was going to do this thing with us together, that I was going to have to be together and that I was going to have to sacrifice whatever I might be good at so that I could lean into what God had called us to do. And I think there are probably some people in the room right now that you are on separate orbits with your spouse. And you, if you end up, 30 years from now, standing in this place, you might be here and he might be here. And you probably need to reconcile that sooner than later so that you guys can end up in the same place together. And that might not be possible for you to quit a job or change your career for that to happen, but you need to find those bridges early in your life. And Mm -hmm. once I did, and I knew that God had asked me, and when when I quit, I didn't have a job anywhere. I volunteered my time just to help out where I could. I was at the time earning most of the money for our family. Louis was, Louis. <laughs> I was earning most of the money. It wasn't a lot, but it was most of it. And there wasn't a way to see that that was really a great idea, but it was faith. It was faith that God had called us together to do something. And I was trusting of God enough to believe that he would do that very thing. There is a verse that talks about that. And I want to share more about that in a second, about 1 Thessalonians 5.24. But it says, faithful is he who called you. He also will do it. Yeah. So I had trust in that moment to believe that the person that was calling us and asking us to do something was going to be faithful all the way through. And that if I would put my life under his leadership, under his leadership and in control of God, that I would end up in the exact place that he had sent us. And, um, you know, tonight is just a benefit. I've said that many times of that obedience. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't short uh, circuit God on what he wants to do because you don't know. Maybe there's a room full of people waiting to be sitting there. 
to hear about how great That's Jesus great. is, and you want to be in that place where that can happen. That's yeah. great. I remember that conversation like it was like this one, and it was a long time ago, and we were sitting in Waco, Texas, where we lived at the one of the two places you could go to eat at that time in I'm Waco. sure it was Chili's. And um, we were really struggling because I was speaking on the weekend a lot. I was doing this campus thing during the week, but it didn't pay, so I had to go out and speak for things on the weekend and make ends meet. And Shelly had become the, um, I don't know, operations director of the largest independent insurance agency in Central Texas as a woman. And no woman had ever been in that position before. And so she had all these extraordinary gifts, you know, back then. And I remember sitting at the table and it was like every weekend I'm going somewhere and you're working super hard during the week because your job's really demanding and we're just you know, our lives are already splitting. And when she said what she said, I thought, man, you know, it didn't make me go, well, good. You ought to quit your job and, you know, get on my page. It was like, whoa. And I think a woman has extraordinary power when she sees, and I'm talking about a good man, not some wacko, but when she sees, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm not a wacko. I'm just saying... <laughs> I'm not saying that, that at all. That was a big statement. I'm just saying, I'm not talking about some husband who is trampling on you and uh, mistreating you in some way. I'm talking about a good man. When you say to a, a man like that, hey, honey, I want to try to help you do what you're doing at the expense of what I'm doing. That's right. And if that doesn't get that guy's attention and it doesn't change his heart, then you got the wrong guy. And it may be too late to figure that out at that conversation. But um, I think that's a powerful, powerful thing um, and it really, I think it's uh, been a really uh, a vital part of how we've been able to do what we've been able to do together. Why don't you ask awesome. a question? This is a great one. Good. Um, Love to hear your answer. Oh, man. Uh, the question is, how did you guys set the direction for your life? Was it intentional that you've ended up here? Um, I would say the answer to that is yes. Good answer. And no. Good answer. <laughs> You don't ever know the outcome of your yes. So in the way, people say to me all the time, are you surprised? Are you surprised about six steps that it worked? And I'm like, yes, to the degree that it's worked and been amazing for the church of the world to sing these songs of worship. Yes. Am I surprised that God would do that? No, because God is amazing and he can do anything. And so I think we, we have to position ourselves in a place where we understand that we can intend things with our life, but it's God who multiplies. Yeah. It's God who makes the most of it. It's God who sends us to places that we couldn't have imagined. It is that immeasurably more that God does. But I think, I think Louie and I were very intentional about the course for our lives. And um, Louie recently was speaking at, at, a, at church, I believe, um, about intentionality and just setting the course for your life. And some of the things that he read were some of our intentionalities. And it would be cool if I could read those. These are some of the things that we set as our life course. And they're pretty general, but I think it'll help you as you're thinking about your own life. Again, remember, this isn't about what we've done. This is about what God wants to say to you about your life. Um, We want to be people that know the word. We want to be warriors in prayer. We want to change the landscape of heaven through our generosity. We want to establish encouraging heart. We want to mentor and disciple other people and have a missional lifestyle. 
We wanna thoughtfully articulate our faith and lead people to Jesus. We wanna serve in our strengths in the church. And so these weren't things that we decided last week. These were things we decided 30 years ago, that we would lend our lives and tend our lives toward these things. Mm. And when I look at today and think about all that God's doing, um, I think it's because we set an intentionality in our hearts. And I would just encourage you today, no matter where you are on the spectrum of life, we have people of all ages in here, and I love that. It is not too late to set an intention for your life. You can be my age, which isn't very young, and you can set an intention for your life, and you can actually build that into your life, and you can end up wherever that ends, 30 years from now, two years from now, being more successful in that portion of your life because you set out to do it. And we've been talking a lot about habits at church and how we establish our habits and then our our habits establish us. And I think this is one of those things where you can lay out in your life and you can say what you think about this, what you intend for your life, and then you can watch God take and do the multiplication. He's the one doing the math. So he can definitely make this more than what it is, but he can definitely send your life in that, on that course because of your intentionality. So I love it. You know, when Shelly and I fell in love, it's the summer of 1983, and I was already, uh, you know, in seminary, going to be a preacher or something. So she knew she wasn't marrying like an entrepreneur uh, Someone like, was going to invent something, and then we were going to have a house in Palm Beach. I mean, she knew, you know, this is this dude is a preacher. But um, we fell in love with each other at the time of our lives that we were completely falling in love with Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, 1983, there was no Christian radio station. I mean, there probably was with some, you know, hellfire and brimstone dude preaching away, but that was all there was on Christian radio on an AM dial. And so it was Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and Andre Crouch and Farrell and Farrell. And, you know, if anybody remembers any of those things and welcome, you know, to 2016, glad you made it. Um, (laughs) And there was a, a song I remember particularly called having Jesus for my first love. And, um, we would, we'd ride around this, uh, used Toyota Corolla that I had with the crank, hand crank sunroof. And we'd ride around in Houston where, where Shelley's family lived. And we would sing that song at the top of our lungs. And we were clueless to anything that God might do in our lives. We had zero plans for how anything was going to happen. All I know is that when we stood together at our wedding the main thing that was rolling around in our hearts was we want to impact this generation for Jesus. And I just want to invite you to that because I, we're still discovering that. If you ask me today, what do you, what do you and Shelley see for your future? I have no idea. I just hope that whatever it is, is impacting a generation yeah. for Jesus. And if you're dating somebody, ladies, if you're here and you're single and you're dating somebody and and you're not singing any songs about Jesus with him? It's true. I know. I know. You're like, yeah, but you know, he just isn't there yet. And he's just on the way. And he's trying to figure it out. And he's such a good guy. And, you know, you, you end up where you start out. And God can interrupt our story and change our story at any point. But if you want to get somewhere where you're changing the world for the stuff that matters most, 
And you don't have to be a preacher, praise God, to do it. You can do it in whatever stream you're in, but you got to have a mission at the beginning. And our mission at the beginning wasn't a mission. It was just that we were in love with Jesus. And I think that set the trajectory of our lives. That's awesome. Let me get another one. Let me get a short one. Maybe they have some good ones in here. Answer this one. Uh, What's something, you'll love this, what's something that you haven't done in your life that you still hope to do or would like to do if your wife would let you? I added that last part. He added the last part, I'm sure. I already know you're. I want to climb Mount Rainier in the state of Washington. That's what I want to do. It's not going to happen, but that's awesome. That was a bold statement on record in front of a lot of people. And I mean it. Um, So Louis went up the Matterhorn one time. He wasn't prepared for it, and he almost died. So that was kind of cutting short the mountain climbing for me. But I'm not going to be unprepared to go up Mount Rainier, because I've been up the Matterhorn, and I remember it. I hope you're (laughs) prepared. I will be the most prepared person to ever go up Mount Rainier. Think what great shape you'll be in. Next September. Not this year, but next year. Watch for it, guys. Watch for it. I would say the one thing I would still like to do is go to law school. <laughs> oh, wow. Probably out of the question, but maybe. Go for it. Okay. I'll be up in Mount Rainier. You can go. <laughs> All right. I won't know where you are, I'm sure. Okay. Let's Text go. me. In some ways, Passion City is an expression or an extension of you guys. What influences helped make this happen? And what do you like about how that is true? Go for it. What's the question? (laughs) I was just looking at you. (laughs) I can't believe y'all fell for that. Okay, in some ways, Passion City, that's, you know, this place and some of these people, are an extension of you guys. And, oh, you don't like that one either? No, I do. I love it. Go ahead. I'm just getting ready. (laughs) What influences helped make this happen, and what do you you like about how that's true? So we're the leaders of Passion City with a great team of people. Yes. Um, but tr- in truth, when Passion started, there were only four people sitting in the room. So when Passion started in earnest in Roswell, Georgia, think about that, in our living room, there were four people sitting there, and we were two of them. So our fingerprints are on Passion. There's no denying that. Amazing team has come up behind us yes. and around us and actually carry everything we do in beautiful, extraordinary, and excellent ways. But we are the leaders I'm the pastor of the church. Therefore, I cannot say to anything in this church, well, that's not in my area. I'm the pastor. Um, I have to take on the responsibility to make sure that our house is a house that is the kind of place that we want people to come. And I, if I got into that too much more answering, it would be a leadership talk and nobody wants that and nobody wants to hear a church kind of thing. But I just know for Shelly and me, we have always valued excellence. We've always valued creating environments where people absolutely see the reflection of God yes. in every part of it from the way people are treated, the way people are greeted and the way the place looks. This building looks like it looks because in large part, Shelly and me and a team of people wanted to look like this. And a lot of people don't like that. And they're like, I don't like that. Like, great. We love it. 
And there's a certain kind of people that walk through the door here, and as they walk in the door, they go, wow. And they see something that's not a retread of something else. They just see something that inspires in them a sense of God's creativity. So we want to raise up people a possibility. We want to raise up people that don't take no for for an answer, because what we're trying to do is challenging. We want to raise up people that love using their unique gifts to make things great. And we want to have faith that God can lead us to do things that absolutely can change history. And I hope if you squeeze one of us, that's what comes out. And if that's what comes out of us, I want that to come out of us because that's not us coming out of us. That's Jesus coming out of us. And I believe that's what Jesus wants the church to look like. So we're doing our best. Here's a good one right here. That's a good one. I picked that one. What do you love most about each other? That's Larry's pick. I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, I love that you love Jesus more than you love me. Wow. I wish I'd gone first. No. I wish I'd said that. Dang. Well, now I can't say anything. So, yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Thank you. I'll just get another one. I was going to say... I was going to, when I read it, I was thinking about it. Um, I was going to say, why is not as good? Now I feel terrible. You're tall. Should have gone first. I'm tall. I'm so sure. Spiritual. I was going to say that um, you do love Jesus more than you love me. That's the only way this has worked. Um, But I was going to say the fact that you, um, I've never seen you not care about other people more than you cared about yourself. That's nice. Thank you. That's true. Nice. You can clap for that. Um, I'm just seeing what they got, because I think we only have time for maybe yep. one or two more. One so I'm trying more. to see what do the ladies want to know. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? This is a book I saw recently about this same idea, so this is kind of interesting. What would you say to your 20-year-old self that you wish you had known? Uh, I think that's a great question. I would have said to my 20-year-old old self, and this is as a 57-year-old because I would have had smarts to say this at 20, but I would have said, don't overestimate what you can do in one year and don't underestimate what you can do in a decade. Uh, I would have said, um, don't believe what's written about you, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I would have said, preach great messages to yourself often. I'm glad you dug for that. I I can preach good messages to everybody else, but man, if we preach the messages to ourselves that we preach to our friends, good night, would we be amazing people? (laughs) Would we not be amazing people? Preach to yourself more. Change the narrative by preaching to yourself. I'm a big believer in that also. All right. Amen. You have a new question? No, I'm in the same question. I I was going to answer it also. I would say, um, you know, we were talking earlier about loving yourself. And I would say that there's a lot to that. I would say at 20-something, if you can figure out that you're loved by God in such a way that you can love yourself, if you can look at yourself the way God looks at you when you're 20, then at 52, you'll be a lot further along Mm -hmm. in life. And um, that takes revelation for that to happen, honestly. And you need the Holy Spirit to help you see that. And I think looking back in life, I didn't ask the Holy Spirit to help me see that quite soon enough. 
And I wish I had seen it at 22 instead of maybe 32 or 42. And I think it would have changed everything about the way that I was free to love the people around me. And um, I I want to live in such a way that people know that I am loved by God and that I'm not trying to get love from everybody else and sucking it from them because I don't know that I'm cared for. Yeah. I want to live in such a way that I know for certain that I am loved and cared for, and therefore I can just freely love you. Wow, and um, I wish that for every person that I know. So that's amazing. That's what I would that's say. So great. I'm going to do one more question because uh, I think we're kind of trying to wrap up a little bit. Um, this question is: What's the most difficult part of leadership? That would have been a good one. Uh, we'll do that one another time. How has faith played a role in your lives? So those were two we didn't answer. This one, last one is, what are the things in your life that has caused you to grow the most? And I've been uh, thinking about that for a second, because uh, in our lives, I think it's pretty obvious the things that have caused us to grow the most. I think top of the list, pain. Mm-hmm. And so we were married one year when my dad became disabled. And so for our Seven of our first eight years of marriage, living in Texas, uh, my dad became an invalid in Atlanta. And man, that was just an excruciating uh, time. Shelly's family's been through hardship. Most of you know her dad just had a bone marrow transplant, a stem cell transplant. And those are not the only pains we've been through. Illness, sickness, divorce, disease, addictions. We've been through a lot of pain. And those places... Looking back now, and even in some of them, the biggest catalyst for spiritual growth, I think, in our lives. Um, I think risk, uh, taking steps of faith, um, not getting on the pastor track early, because that's what everybody told me to do coming out of seminary. You know, you go to that little church and do good, and then you'll go to that church a little bigger and do good, and then you'll go to that church a little bigger and do good, and eventually y'all are going to get to a big church because Louis, he's, we can see it, you know, so that y'all get on that track. And we were like, no, we're supposed to lead a college Bible study at Baylor University. And people said, you're crazy. I said, no, we're, we're going to do it. Ten years we did that. We're going to leave our ministry in Texas and move to Atlanta, help my mom take care of my dad. Crazy. You know, we're going to start passion. Crazy. And I think it's the pain and the risk is where we have found God probably the most in our lives. Change thrown into that. And, um, and I don't know, maybe people, you know, some key people we've met across the path of our lives have really been catalysts for us growing in, in ways spiritual. I don't know. John Piper. Yeah, meeting John Piper one day just randomly. I mean, that was a big changer in my whole comprehension of the glory of God. Um, meeting someone like Chris Tomlin, who's a college student at an FCA event that I spoke at that he led worship for by himself with a guitar and a drum machine and a big cowboy hat and a <laughs> headset, Garth Brooks microphone. Uh, it was a big change in our lives. Yeah. And I think God uses people he puts in our path. I think he uses pain that he puts in our path. And I think he uses change you know, steps of faith in our path. Those are the places where we lean in the most. I think that all of us tonight are in attention of life's not all the way I want it to be, but yet I have this dream for what could be. And now you're putting Louie and Shelley and the most perfect dog that's ever been created up there on the stage. And I'm going, oh, great. You know, well, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. 
Our relationship has been filled with all manner of challenges, ups and downs and ins and outs and hard times and good times and laughter and sorrow. And it's been a struggle. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that for any other reason, just so that you're sitting there going, looking up and they go, man, yeah, no, no kidding. Great. I mean, that, that, that ain't going to happen. You don't want this to happen. And we have lived under the most immense challenge that, that you could imagine. I mean, taking on the mantle, the reins of what God has put in our hands is just, man, it's not something you sign up for. It's extraordinarily challenging on every level. And so we get it. And we and you, all of us, live in the same tension. Life's not exactly the way I want it to be, but I have these amazing inklings of dreams of how it can be. And here we are sitting in the middle of that tonight, and it may be for you and us both that the thing that's causing you the most pain right now is going to be the thing that causes you the most gain for the kingdom of God in the future. And that doesn't mean that we have to, I know you're not applauding for your pain, you're applauding for God's sovereignty, but it doesn't mean that we have to applaud our pain. It's just that it's there. Yeah. And so we embrace God's sovereignty in it and say, this isn't going to shut down my dream. This is not going to shut down my dream. This disappointment, this delay, this discouragement, this defeat is not going to stop God from doing what God has planned to do in my life. No more than three nails stop Jesus from accomplishing in full what God had sent him to do. And so tonight, could I wonder if we could just pause for a moment. Shelley mentioned this passage of scripture. We didn't do a whole lot of teaching tonight, but this is a place to park our world. First Thessalonians 5, 24. It's been the rope that we've walked on. I say that so you'll know, honestly, it hasn't been a highway that we've driven on. It's been like a tight rope that we've walked on, you know, very precariously. Like, let's don't fall off this rope. We could fall off this rope, but let's stay on this rope. So much so that when we moved to Atlanta with no plans, a father who had died, a ministry now in the rearview mirror, now this seed of passion is born and we drive to the Bank of America on Highway 9 by Mansell across from the Krispy Kreme Donuts, which wasn't there at the time, the bank was. And we sat at a lady's desk and we opened a bank account for passion conferences. And the lady said, what number would you like to start your checks with? And we went, what? She said, oh, you know, no business starts with 001 because then people know you're a brand new business and you don't want that. So pick a bigger number. I'm like, you can do that? She said, oh, yeah, you can start with whatever number you want. I was like, really? I said, start with 1524. And Shelly's like, good call. She said, right. She types in the computer, 1524. She says, was it an anniversary? It's a birthday? It's your PIN number? 
And I was like, I was like, no, it's a verse in the scripture. First Thessalonians 5.24. We said to the lady, it's our verse. It says, faithful is he who calls you. He will do it. So he's not calling you tonight and then telling you to do it. That's right. He's calling you tonight and promising you that right. he's going to do it. That's right. And the pain's not going to stop him. The divorce is not going to stop him. The depression is not going to stop him. Nothing's going to stop him. If your heart and my heart, Shelly's heart tonight, is just to say to him, I want to be used for your glory. I want my life to count for your glory. We want to say thank you today to Louie and Shelly. As you continue to set a powerful example for our listeners, for the women of The Grove, and really for all of us who both work and do life with you, you truly illustrate what it looks like to be in lockstep with God through the path and with all the people He has called you to steward. For anyone that's struggling today with how to look ahead, maybe you're afraid the moment's passed you by, or maybe you're still holding on to misplaced hopes, hold tight to this reminder to listen for the Lord. And as Pastor Louis said, have faith that God will lead you to do things that really can change history. And let's all cling to the promise from 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. If you enjoyed hearing from our pastors, check out our show notes for information on how to stay connected with them on social media, where to find Pastor Louie's best-selling books, and links to more episodes like the one you just heard. And visit thegroveonline.com to learn more about The Grove, our gatherings, and our Flourish mentoring journey. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Grove Podcast.